Welcome back, you guys. I'm pretty sure this is episode 18. Yeah. Which is crazy. One of these weeks, I'm going to stop being like, it's crazy. (laughs) I don't know what episode it is, you know, but not this week. (laughs) Um, It's exciting for sure. Yeah. And we have on a really fun guest today, you guys. She's one of my clients. She's one of my close friends. She is participating in some business ventures with me. Um, But today we're going to talk to her about her career working in the sex industry. And I have to tell you guys, I'm so excited about it. I know me too. Of course I have like (laughs) 12 questions already lined up. (laughs) Love it. Love it. It's a topic that I don't get to talk about often. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Well, Audrey, I think I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself and like kick off where we're going to start and then we'll just go for it. Okay, perfect. Well, my name is Audrey Kelly. I am 29, about to be 30 years old next month. And I have worked in the sex industry for the last 10 years. It's something that I had never expected to do, but once I got into it, I thrived and I just, I've always done really well. So I stuck with it for a long time and I'm trying to get out of it right now just because I'm ready to move on to something different. But the last 10 years have been a crazy ride, a crazy wild ride. So can you clarify for the listeners what all is entitled in the sex industry? Like, what does that encompass? And what part of that industry have you been involved in? So the sex industry is a blanket term for anyone who pretty much participates in and sells sex or sexual services as a as a product, essentially, or as their business. And that entails like porn, camming, strip clubs, working in a strip club. So stuff like that, pretty much. Phone sex, I guess, could be classified as sex industry. Yeah, the people that call Quest. Were you guys, did you guys watch TV when the Quest commercials were on back in the day? I feel like no. I did, but <laughs> when I was growing up, there was this commercial on and it was, it was for a service called quest. And it was always like this woman dressed up in like a skimpy outfit. And she was always like, I love to talk to people on quest. I'll keep you oh, company. Yes. Like call quest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I vaguely remember this. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, maybe it was just my hometown. I don't know. No, I'm a little bit familiar with what you're talking about. I feel like that's died off over the years, but I do have some interesting memories. Probably. Do you think think it's died off, Audrey, because of the way that we do business now is mostly, you know, via social media or Instagram or OnlyFans? Yes, absolutely. I think that because we have easy access now to phones and computers and internet that it's like we can get the visual stimulation and then talking over the phone is it as stimulating anymore you know because back then like phone sex was like the most that you could get or you'd go rent like a VHS video of pornography and now it's like easy access anywhere to have that kind of exposure I guess were those illegal black boxes that 
people used to get like those cable boxes. You could watch like all the porn. That was like the nineties though. That was, that was a while ago. Yeah. (laughs) So how did you get into it? What made you choose uh, this path as your journey when, you know, you said about 10 years ago, so you were almost 20. I was 20. So when I was 17, I started modeling and I have always been like very comfortable with my body, very comfortable with my sexuality. So I had the opportunity to, once I turned 18, to start doing work with Playboy. And I jumped on that, was so excited, did that work for a little while. I was still living in Grand Junction at the time and there weren't any strip clubs there. And I ended up moving to Denver like at 1920 and then knew about the strip clubs here and kind of, you know, was in a situation where I really needed to make some good money and was like, fuck it, I'm going to give it a try. And I've been a dancer my entire life. My mom is a professional dance teacher. She's owned a dance studio my entire life. And I talked to her about it was like, Hey, like, what do you think about me doing this? Like stripping is just dancing nude pretty much for money. And she's like, fucking go for it. Like you're hot, you're young, you live in a big city where you can make good money, go for it. So I auditioned. That's so amazing. (laughs) It's so nice to hear. I love that. Like, yeah, me too. Like, like women lifting up other women and not like, you know, normalizing this. Like she's like, yeah, like, like do this. Like there's, there's a market for it. You're going to make money. And like, I support you. Like, that's amazing. I'm so grateful to have her absolutely as as my mother and be as supportive as she has been because I mean without her reassurance I don't know if I would have bit the bullet and actually tried but so after that conversation I went and auditioned at one of the best clubs in Denver Diamond Cabaret and was so nervous oh my god nervous out of my mind and did probably the worst job auditioning but the, the manager was like, you know, you're pretty, you're not that great of a dancer, but you got a lot of potential and we'll hire you. And that was the beginning of a whole new world for me. And how long did you work there? So I danced at Diamond for five years and decided that I didn't really want to do the stripping thing so much, but didn't want to pull out of the industry completely. So I moved over to another club called La Boheme. It is owned by the same people. And I started cocktailing over there. And I had been cocktailing over there up until recently, up until it closed down because of COVID. So. Okay. So I'm just curious. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm letting you ask some questions, Ella, because I know a little bit of the background. I'm like, Ella's going to get into it. She's going to find out all the things. <laughs> well I'm just I'm just curious like so like you know because how do I say this I've been to a strip club maybe like once and I want to know like what happens like behind the scenes and like my most inter my like most recent interaction was with the Sopranos okay I I confession I rewatched the entire series in the last like month and you know he owns the strip club Bada Bing in New Jersey and you see like that aspect like from his point of view but I'm curious to know like your point of view like is it like what these movies portray is it just like is it 
Like, did you ever feel like violated in any way? Oh my God, yes. And it is what the movies portray. It is. Like, I was very fortunate (laughs) to have worked at a very high-end club. So I never got exposure to like some of the trashier things that you see at clubs that aren't as high quality. Like there wasn't a lot of drug use at the club that I danced at. There's uh, not a lot of violence. No, there was like no fights between the girls, but definitely like guys will try to do as much as they think they can get away with. Ugh, they're so scummy sometimes. Yeah. Did you ever have like women in there like shoving their face in your in your boobies? Like, oh yeah. That's probably yeah. That's like more my speed. <laughs> and women, women actually think that they can get away with more too because they're women. Oh. So they'll try and push your boundaries even further. Okay, tell me yeah. more. So I, that's like, like, that's interesting. It's the couples that I felt like I had to watch out for because they would get you in the back to do dances and then they would, the women would be trying to pressure you to do even more and go even further with them or their boyfriends, you know, because they think that they have some sort of pull with you because they're women. So. Because they have vaginas as well, but it's completely yeah. different. And it is like, like, it's a professional job. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But it's your job. So like, how did you handle those situations? I always tried to be as polite as possible, at least in the beginning before my patients were thin. I would always just be like, no, like, I don't really do that. Or, you know, part of the hustle is kind of giving them the idea that maybe you do. So it'd be like, well... I don't want to do that right now, but maybe we can link up later after you give me so much money, you know, so (laughs) I I could work that angle for a little bit, or if it got to the point where it was just way too much, you can always walk away. And I've had to do that a number of times where it's like, okay, like you just get off of me. This isn't worth the stress or the money that I'm going through. And Right. There's like way more people in here that I can make money off of that aren't going to be a scumbag. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of have to weigh it out. Like how much am I willing to deal with for how much money and how much stress each situation is different. So I would love to get your perspective, Audrey, and I don't know if we'll keep this or not, but it just popped in my head on like people who maybe not frequent, but attend and go to the strip clubs. Like, obviously there's a lot of people that go because they stay open. You guys get work. Like that's, it's, it's a very popular industry and people attend. And I feel like there's kind of like this weird stigma with a lot of women out there that aren't really aligned with the sex space that are like, oh, that guy goes to the strip club. So he's garbage. Like I'm interested on your perspective on kind of that mentality. I think that it's subjective. Like it's, it's each case varies. I personally would not want to date a guy who frequented strip clubs but everybody goes once in a while, you know, it's, it's, you can't expect guys to not go ever. Everyone's going to go once in a while, but there's a difference between a guy who's just going for a bachelor party and a guy who goes like every weekend and is trying to make relationships with all the girls, you know? Yeah. 
So there's, there's variations and there's like, it's a spectrum. Interesting. I would say that because it's so normalized, like you have to expect them to go occasionally. And then there's some guys who never go. I've met guys who are, who have still like never been to a strip club. It doesn't interest them at all. Yeah. It really, Um, I don't think it would bother me. Like if my significant other went to the strip club, go, as long as you come home to me and that's going to lead you to get into bed and like, you know, get it on, go ahead, honey, like whatever you need. (laughs) right yeah why not but I think I think if there's a level of addiction like Paige was just saying if you're going every week or you know three times a week then you're kind of like "Mm, I'm with you Audrey that's like a red flag I'm like "Mm, yeah no (laughs) yeah it's there's something I don't know from from what I've experienced in the men that I've met there's something not quite right about a man who is like there consistently no (laughs) like do you have a hard time like dating women outside of here like are you just like obsessed with women that you can't actually be with like what's going on here so right right. that sounds like we need like a a psychologist on to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) right so when you started to make the shift onto your like so you're cocktailing and and then I'm assuming you're doing things on the side for yourself like a entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur I can't even speak (laughs) entrepreneur (laughs) um like you know how did that begin like what where did that start for you what do you mean exactly like how did I transition into it yeah I I just I'd been doing it like I'd said for five years dancing and I just kind of got tired of being I just got tired of that interaction with the customers on that level because you're very vulnerable as you can imagine and I felt like it got to the point where I was drinking a lot just to be able to go in there and make some money and it was becoming unhealthy for me psychologically and physically but yeah. the money was like, and the freedom of working in the industry, I didn't want to step away from that. So I decided to start cocktailing at a different club. And that was actually so much better for me. It's, it, it made it so I could have a taxable income. I still had the freedom to come and go pretty much with a little bit more limitation. And I didn't have to interact with the customers on the same level. Like it was easier for me to just, you know, have a little bit of interaction, give them what they wanted, introduce them to girls, serve drinks, and then I could walk away. Like I didn't have to go in the back and hustle them for money and expose myself by being nude. It was just, it was a different level of interaction that suited me better at the time. I love that. And then, so then it, you said it closed during COVID? It did. We actually, we closed in March of 2020, just like all other businesses did. They managed to open back up for a small time frame in the summer for about six weeks. And then they closed again and they've been closed ever since. So. So how did you pivot? What did you do? I have always been an artist and working on my art and trying to build my art career. And I I figured like, okay, now is the time to really launch and bring and move all of that action forward. 
because I was so comfortable working at the clubs with the money that I was making that I never like actually put all of my energy into my business, my art business and launched it forward. But now it was like, okay, this is the perfect time to do that. So I really focused in on what it was going to take to be a successful artist. And I, I focused on that and did that instead. So what kind of um, art do you do? I do neo-surrealist portraiture. My medium is airbrushing and inks. Oh my goodness. Okay. So explain that because I have no <laughs> idea what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard. Like if you're, if you're not familiar with the terms, it's a little bit difficult to imagine, but I do like darker portraits of women in a neo-surrealist fashion. And what that means is it's got the realistic aspects, but there's still a part of it that is like separated from the realism. Do you photograph them and then paint these? Yes. That's most commonly what I do. I've, I'll find a model, I'll have her do certain poses for me, and then I'll go into my digital platform, Photoshop it to get it the way that I want it to look, and then I will put it on canvas and paint it. And what is this clear coat that you're putting on over the paint? I'm watching a video. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> so satisfying. It's a varnish. It's a clear varnish that protects the, the painting and it really brings out the color and textures and all the this aspects so of cool. the painting entails. Thank you. I love it. So I want to ask, you said you're an open book. So I'm just going to ask him like, how do I, how do I uh, <laughs> back to Okay. So I, if you follow Audrey on Instagram, which I don't know that any of our listeners other than me do yet, but they will. Um, you will find out that she's been very into like the bondage getting tied up scene, part of the sex industry. And I'm very curious about this in all the aspects, like how you got into that, what exactly it is that you do with that. And like whether it is a sexually pleasurable thing for you or just a curiosity thing. I'm just, I have all the questions. I just want okay. to know. That is actually uh, very separate from my career work in the sex industry. That was just a world I decided to delve into for myself okay. uh, to, to spark my own sexual interest. And uh, Tabari rope is what you're referring to. And I yes. got into that about a year and a half ago. I've always fetish, fetishized, <laughs> I'm sorry. Fetishized, thank you, about bondage and restraints. Okay. And that's definitely been a kink that I've enjoyed and wanted to do more of my whole life. So I found, I started getting into the alternative lifestyle scene in Denver and I found a person who specialized in shibari rope. So I had a couple of sessions with him where he was tying me. And that's how I got into that. And he's the only person that I allowed to do that with me. Just because- so what, of what is alternative lifestyle? Fail. What do you mean by that? Yeah. It, it is, I guess- it would normally go by the term swinger group or swinger lifestyle because it okay. started with swingers, couples who wanted to 
bring in other couples or bring in singles. And then it turned into a scene that also invited BDSM or other alternative sexual, I don't know, lifestyles. People who have fetishes, people who have kinks, people who like to do threesomes, so on and so forth. And there's an entire scene for that in Denver and in every major city. This is fascinating. So, I had no idea. Yeah. So for people that <laughs> might not know what BDSM is, it not it like bondage and sadomasochism, right? The, the correct terminology for BDSM is bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, and then sadomasochism. And that is, it entails everything that is kinky, essentially. And this is separate from the sex industry or is it, do they overlap? I would say it's separate from the sex industry because it's not real, like industry is like where you work. And all of this stuff is like more lifestyle, though there is doms and domes and they make money. What is a domes? I was going to say, I I watched the show Billions where uh, the attorney general is so he's into BDSM and like he pays this woman to beat the shit out of him. (laughs) Exactly. So that technically would fall into the sex industry. It's just not as common, I guess. It's it's not, it's not, if I say sex industry, I don't really think of Dom and Dame, but I shouldn't leave that out. Okay, fair. I guess I, like when I think of, you know, the sex industry and like your role in it, I just, I know you worked at or work at these clubs as a cocktail waitress. And then I knew you did this other stuff on the side. So I think I might've mistakenly been smushing them together (laughs) because I was like, she does all the things. (laughs) I do. Well, I mean, it's definitely, once you work in the sex industry, you become comfortable and that stuff just becomes like more, what's the word? Yeah. More commonplace. Like it's easier to find these different groups after working in the sex, sex industry, you know? They all kind of just like mush together. So you're gotcha. not wrong about that. Okay, cool. I hope I'm not making you uncomfortable by bringing. No, no, not I was at like, all. oh shit, that's not what we signed up to talk about. Might be. Not at all. I love <laughs> okay, it. Okay, good. Good. So I'd love to get, and Allo, I'd love to know like what, what your thoughts are too, but I'd love to know like from somebody that works in the industry, like your perspective on like OnlyFans and you know, some of these other like part, like camming and working in porn. Like, do you have peers that do that? Do you have thoughts on this part of the industry? Like what, what are, what's the inside scoop? Yes. I have peers that do everything. I even have peers that are professional escorts that are, are hookers, like legit prostitutes. 
everybody does OnlyFans now after COVID. So I feel like everybody has peers that do OnlyFans now, which I love it. I love that that's become more popularized and women feel like entitled and feel like they could actually do that for themselves. Like, I think that's incredibly empowering. And I love that COVID kind of did that for everybody. It's unfortunate that it had to be like, you know, everybody's feeling pressed for, for cash because a lot of people lost their jobs. And I would hate to see that as like an ultimatum, the reason that they got into it. But I think that it's awesome that more women are doing that now. I really so, need to check out OnlyFans. Do you know? Yeah, I've, I've never, never been on. I don't really <laughs> know either. what all goes into it. I think like, like my colleague, Greg, <laughs> Audrey, I'm sure if you haven't talked to him yet for the Zodiac stuff, you will. He was all like, I'm going to make an OnlyFans, but I'm going to just like play music. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I'm like, okay. We'll he see. was like kind of kidding, but like kind of not. He's like, I think people would follow me. And I was like, I don't even know really what it is other than like very surface level concepts of what it is so you're like no Greg that's what TikTok's for yeah (laughs) you have the wrong social media platform well he got on his Instagram he's like should I make an OnlyFans yes or no and like people were voting on it I'm like oh Greg no don't do it don't do it I don't think he did I have no idea Unless he's going to be in the nude. I don't know. I don't know if I recommend OnlyFans for him. You have to have your own niche. And that's what makes it a thing. It's like girls are, girls are signing up for it and thinking that they can make like a ton of money, but you really have to have your own niche, something that makes you special and something that will bring people to your OnlyFans and make them want to subscribe. Otherwise, it's like, why not just post that stuff on regular social media? You have to give them a reason to give you money. Is what I'm- so are you on OnlyFans, Audrey? Yes. Oh, you are? Okay, I've, cool. I've been modeling for 13 years and I've gained quite the fan base over that period of time. So OnlyFans is just, it's kind of like the normal thing to do if you're a model and you have a fan base. It's just a, a, a nice extra way to make money. I've had one for years. Interesting. Oh I didn't know that. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't even know that OnlyFans has been out for years. Me I'm yeah. so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your um, specialty? Like what brings everyone to uh, your page to subscribe? I it's think your brand. Yeah. Your brand. I mean, yeah. I'm my own brand. And I just post my edgier section sexier pictures on there that I can't share on Instagram or Facebook and that's what brings fans to my page I get it so you kind of like tempt them with the insta and then you're like if you want to see more come here exactly exactly this is brilliant yeah (laughs) and anyone can do it really and I, I that's what I love about it well and I love and Audrey's like I know she briefly mentioned at the start that she did some stuff with Playboy but like she's been legit in like the centerfolds of some Playboys like she's she's the real deal you guys I remember she was my <laughs> client she, well, she's still my client and friend and she came in and she was like she posted on her Instagram and I was like oh my god you're in Playboy and you're like yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I started showing, I, I mean, you don't know this part yet, unless I've told you before, but I was like, you guys look my clients in Playboy. Oh my God. I love <laughs> I was it. Like, to the girls I work with, I was like, check her out. She's in Playboy. They're like, is that inappropriate? I'm like, guys, she's in Playboy. Like anyone can find that. It's not inappropriate. <laughs> no, it's not inappropriate. <laughs> like, and I love that you're showing me off. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I do. I do. So Audrey, tell us what are some of the biggest misconceptions about sex industry? Sex industry misconceptions. That we and want if- to fuck your boyfriend for free. <laughs> or fuck your boyfriend at all. <laughs> You're I like, no, we don't. I say for free because there are women who do that. Like I said, there's prostitutes but they're definitely not trying to have sex with your boyfriend for free. And then most of the women who are strippers, cameras, you know, fall under that category. They don't want to have sex with their boyfriend at all. They most of the time have their own boyfriends or husbands. And that's a huge misconception. So there's one. Another misconception that we're rolling in dough constantly. That's not true. A lot of women don't make as much money as the media portrays strippers make. Sometimes okay. they work at clubs that don't make a whole lot of money and they're averaging at about like 15, 20 bucks an hour. Sometimes there's girls who make $500 an hour too. But to think that they're all making a ton of money, that's, that's not true. Some of us are very much struggling another misconception we're not all doing drugs we're not all alcoholics a lot of women stay sober the entire night that they're working and have I imagine it's I I imagine it's safer to to be like alert alert yeah yes you know I have been drugged before while I was working so I can what Yeah. And our managers, it was actually my girlfriend who I was working with who got drugged. I took a couple sips off of her drink and barely made it out. She ended up having to go to the hospital. It is definitely safer to not be as intoxicated, but some girls don't ever drink. And sometimes girls love to do drugs and drink all night, but not all of us are the same in that aspect. I would say those are the top three misconceptions. Okay. I have a real question for you. And this is my curiosity. The listeners are going to want to know in terms of having no body hair, how do we, what is the, what are the best ways? Do you have any tips for like how we can stay well-groomed and smooth and beautiful? Or do you, are you like a laser hair person? Are you a waxer? Like what, what are the tricks? I'm a laser hair person now, but before when I was just shaving, I would always shave with the grain, not against it, because that'll immediately give you razor burn. And like one of the tricks of the trade was using deodorant on your bikini line. Huh? Yeah. For what purpose? Like, what does that do? It's supposed to be moisturizing and it keeps that area dry and it prevents razor burn. So back when I was dancing, like we would obviously shave before we went in and then deodorant right there in that area. 
And I'm thinking that there's probably an OnlyFans for people with bushes. Yeah, and that's definitely a thing now. Like hair is making a comeback and a lot oh, of women God. are choosing. I know. I personally don't <laughs> like it. But it's like, you know, again, it's empowering to women and if they they do what they want to do and people like that. Audrey, what are your favorite parts of working in this industry? Like what are, we went over the misconceptions. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the things it's like brought to your life that have been more positive or like added in some way? And what have you just really enjoyed? And let's talk about like the good things. Uh, Aside from the times where I've made unbelievable amounts of money, because that is something that, how can you not enjoy that? The freedom too of schedule has been fantastic. The camaraderie that you experience in the club with the other girls. I've made so many good friends over the years in strip clubs. Yeah. Some of my best friends I, I made because we were dancing. If you're just partying outside of a club, what do you do when you're partying outside of a club? You meet people, you meet friends and there is that level of comfortability in there that I think lowers your inhibitions and your resistance to getting to know people. So when you're, when you're in there doing your thing, like you're already like, like you said, comfortable with yourself and just having fun and you're meeting girls and making friends, I guess. I think it's really fascinating to see how other women you know, go out there. Like you said to your mom, like, I'm going to go out and kick ass mom. Like, what do you think? And she's like, fuck yeah, do it. You know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's like really inspiring to see everyone just go like after what they believe in and be comfortable in their own skin ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Um, I can't elaborate on that more. (laughs) No, you're good. Well, and I I think Go ahead, Allo. No, I was just going to say, and like, you're really awesome. I don't, I've just met you today, but just getting to know you, I can only imagine that the people that you work with, you said you made, you know, some of your best friends are very similar to you, like just badass bitches, you know? Exactly. And it's kind of hard to work in that industry and not be judged outside of there. I guess is what I was trying to say earlier is like, when you work in that industry, like you are automatically judged if you tell anybody what you do, who's not a part of that industry. So there's already like that commonality inside of the club. And you just lean towards those people who understand you. You can relate on that. Question, weird question that I just thought of dating. Like, how does, how does this affect like your dating life? Like, do you meet men who are really understanding or have you met some that are actually very judgmental? Men all think that they want to date a stripper until they start dating one. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> men, men all fantasize about what it's like to date a stripper and then they start dating one and they see what that's really about and then they, they hate it. I, I had a relationship That actually lasted quite a long time, even though he hated that I was a stripper, but it was a constant problem, constant problem. Even though I was the main breadwinner in the relationship, he just, he couldn't get over it. And it's like, I, I reassured him constantly about what I was doing in there and introduced him to the friends that I had made in there. And I mean, he like had even been in there and it just like, he couldn't get over it. 
It's just a scumbag. It makes it difficult. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And a lot of women tend to date guys who work in that industry too, because again, just like with the friend thing, it's you have that in common and there's already that understanding. So it's, it makes it easier. So a lot of girls end up dating like the DJs who work there or the managers or like the security guys, because it's, it's like, they understand what it's like. They're not going to question you. There's not going to be fights constantly. So what's your favorite part of the whole thing? No, hard question. (laughs) It is a hard question. There's been so many aspects to it that I've enjoyed over the years. I just think that the, the experience was my favorite part of it it was a it was a great experience and now that I've gotten older I'm glad that I did it a lot of a lot of women get older and they have all these regrets about not being crazy you know and I'm glad that I was crazy (laughs) crazy dance naked made a ton of money met a lot of people from all over the world some of which I'm still friends with and I don't know. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I did it. You're so cool. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm like, I wish I had her balls. Like I just, (laughs) you know, like, well, I I told Audrey once, Ella, you'll get a kick out of this. I think I was still, I was working at the second salon. You just, you know, the people like all different types of women. And I was like, yeah, I just don't think I'd be confident. And you were like, well, you, you, you have to be confident. Like if you, it's this industry will eat you up alive. If you don't feel good about how you like the way that you look. Absolutely. And that's that. what I said was true. Like there are women of all shapes and sizes in the club and there's everyone that loves a, a different type of woman. You know, it doesn't matter really if you're thin if you're big small boobs big boobs whatever it's the confidence is everything I've seen women in there who are big big girls or older girls girls who are in their 40s even girls who weren't even that good looking are not good at dancers and they're the ones making the most money every single night out of all of us because they're confident oh that's so crazy you wouldn't even think I, I lived near a strip club. I don't club. have the confidence. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. But I used to live right around the corner from a strip club. And my one roommate, she was bisexual. And like, she wasn't going in there to hit on the women. But she like basically became Ringo. This is not the time. She basically became <laughs> friends with everyone that worked there. All the girls and the um, security guards. And she would just like, we'd all go out. We'd hang out. And like, she wasn't ready to go home. So she just goes into the strip club and like hang out with everybody. And I went in one time. Um, and I was like, this is not my scene. Naked women just doesn't do it for me. And like, there weren't enough men in there and like, they weren't going to try and hit on me, you know, cause we're like with a bunch of hot naked chicks. So I was like, this is not what I want to be doing this evening. But <laughs> there was one woman that worked there who was a phenomenal pole dancer and everybody, like she kind of had a rep in town. Like I, I didn't know what her name was, but she's that old chick that works at the barrel of dolls. That's got the C-section scar. Like that's how everybody in town knew her, but like she was well known and she made a fuck ton of money because she was a killer dancer and she didn't give a fuck that she was in her forties and had some like stretch marks from where she had her kid and had her C-section scar and she was a killer pole dancer and she crushed it. Yeah. She made tons and tons of money. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Go in there and just rock it. Do you be confident and 
guys will throw money at you. They love that. Can I well, do that walking said, down the street? I know. Be, confident. be like, Seriously. throw money at me. <laughs> so I do have to say there is an issue with sex trafficking where guys put forcefully put women in the strip club, but that's not often. Most of the girls who are in there want to be there. They're happy to be doing what they're doing and they don't need a knight in shining armor to come save them. God, I, it's like you hear about these things, but to like hear it come from you, you're kind of like, wow, like this is actually happening. Like that's that's a real thing. Which part? Like the sex trafficking and like it's a major uh, problem. Yeah, I so when you say it's like, huge here, it's huge here, Aloe. I don't know if you're aware, but it's a big I'm problem. In Denver, Denver is no. one of the biggest cities in the United States for sex trafficking. As a cocktail waitress at La Boheme, we were required to take classes yearly and get certified in uh, familiarity with sex trafficking so we could help bust people who are a part of those rings. That's crazy. So can you elaborate on that? Like just a little bit? I'm curious. Um, the classes or? Yeah, like like what are the signs? How do you Yeah, discover? help educate the locals and, yeah. the, and the faraways. Yeah. Uh, women who look distressed, I guess, is the best way to identify. And the only way that you would be able to know that is if you're working with them continually, because some of them are distressed because they're on drugs or they're just crazy. They've got something going on with them. But some of them, you can tell there's just something not quite right. Like they look exhausted. They look worrisome. They might have bruises or look like they've been getting thrown around there. There's guys who come in and they're pimps um, or they're the, the guy who is in control of the girls that they're trafficking and they'll sit in there and they'll watch them. <clears throat> and you'll, you'll notice that, that they're so coming creepy. In. It's crazy. I've, I've seen, have I've you seen it? it? Yes. Oh my I've God. seen. So when I first started at diamond, there was a huge sex trafficking ring that got busted. And a lot of the girls worked there that they were hoes. They, they had a pimp. And uh, anyway, I've seen, I've seen it. Guys will come in, they will sit there and they'll watch them all night. They'll just get a couple drinks and they'll make sure that they're working, make sure that they take like off. half their salary. Like this is they crazy. They take all of it. They <gasps> take everything. They don't get anything. All they do, all the girls get, I don't want to call them hoes because that feels so disrespectful, but that is, that's the term. All the girls get is they will get fed and they will get housed and normally it's not in good conditions now how like, do people like how does this happen like like are, there, are these people that are just so I don't want to be like destitute or broken or like lost or, or are they forced into this like is it is it out of necessity that they're doing this or is it because they have been blackmailed in some way or forced in some way they're always being forced into it and each situation varies, but a lot of these girls get kidnapped because maybe they don't, they don't have good families and they're kind of hanging out on the street when they're really young. I'm talking like anywhere from like 10 to 13, 14 is where they usually get picked up and guys will, guys seek out little girls like that who don't this have any really protection. They'll grab them up they will usually scare them into submission and then they'll start putting them on the street to prostitute. 
So these girls will be doing that for several years until they're old enough to go into the strip club. And then they'll put them in the strip club to find men to do services for outside of the club. I knew Holy a girl, shit. I knew a girl who I'd worked with at Diamond who had been doing that for 15 years. And she had actually oh. had several children with her pimp before she left him. Holy shit. I'm just, I'm you should see my face right now. I, I, <laughs> I like don't know what to say because again, like you, you know, you hear about these things, but you, I've never spoken to someone who's actually like seen this happen. And it's, it's just like you watch Taken and you're like, it only happens to me in Europe. Yeah. This oh, is, all, this no. is in the movies. No, it happens. It's, it's the biggest it's ever been before trafficking. It's now, how are they like busting been. these rings up? You just have to identify it. You have to identify it. And the hardest part is getting the girl to tell on her pimp or tell on whatever guy is trafficking her or them because they're brainwashed into thinking that what they're doing is okay or normal. There's a whole psychology to it. That's why they start them off young, the pimps do. They get them young so they can brainwash them into thinking that this is normal So the girls don't want to, they don't want to tell on them. They think that it's it's like a loyalty, like familial thing. They're like, this is what love is. This person loves me. Yes, exactly. And they've often threatened them too. Like if you tell on me, I'll kill your family. Or if I find you told on me, I'll kill you or I'll harm you. And they do, they beat them, you know? So they go into submission and they're afraid. That's so, the hardest part. It's good insight into what's going on. Oh God. I love that this conversation actually went that way. Me in too. a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I mean, it's really it, helpful. It, yeah, yeah. It brings light to some really serious issues. And I, yeah, me too. Have you ever had an experience like that, Audrey, at work where you like felt threatened or felt unsafe? Or I know you said for the most part, you feel like you've had really positive experiences. So I by no means want to take away from that. I'm just, I'm just curious if you've ever been put in that kind of position. I haven't, which I'm very fortunate for. I've never had anybody come in and proposition me like that. Except for this one time, I, I do have to say, I just recalled this where this guy, and this didn't happen to me. Well, it kind of did happen to me, but somebody in a van tried to throw one of my other cocktail waitress friends into the van while she was walking into work. What? And shortly after that, I saw the same guy in the van and he was yelling at me to get into his van. I just well, I, I was walking I'm like shocked. Work. He first started picking, like tried to pick up on me, and I was obviously like, "No, go fuck yourself." And he was like, "Well, get in my fucking van," and like started yelling all this shit at me. I don't know if that was just some guy in a van or what was going on, but related to the the trafficking issue, like who knows, you know? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, thank God you'll never have to know the answer to that, you know? Absolutely. Like, hey, for all you creepy dudes listening to this, which they probably aren't, (laughs) but in case you do, 
don't tell some bitch to get in your van okay because that sends off red flags in her head that's like he's trying to kill me and if that's not your goal like the van is not the answer like basically if you're a dude and you own a van go fuck yourself okay? i was just gonna say like what what self-respecting man is driving a chester mobile anyway you know yeah i mean the only men i know that have vans like that are like Our dads dads with minivans and then like the you know like what we call a van but really it's like a work car that you can't see in the back seat and like I have some friends that like work in that industry but they're not driving that van or car unless they're working like they have their own fucking car so if it's like eight o'clock at night and you're driving that van like do yourself a favor for your sex life buy a, buy a different car because you're creeping the ladies out that's crazy who who does that? Who yells at you to get into a van? I'm like, is that your pickup line? Like, that's it. <laughs> it goes from like, like hey, like, how's it going? To hey, get in my fucking van. Hey, honey, you oh, look here, like you fell out of heaven. Let me put you in my sex van. Like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Meanwhile, right. my my standard pickup line on Bumble is, "Hi, love your smile." <laughs> <laughs> if anybody listening was interested in getting involved in this industry would you have any advice for them I guess it depends on what position you want to be if you want to be a dancer my advice is go in there with confidence have a plan because this doesn't last forever know what you're going to do with the money that you make know where you stand have strong boundaries and have a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah. Be sexy I love and make it, it too. fun. I'm like, Audrey, you're one of like the coolest women I've ever met. <laughs> so are you. I feel so grateful to have met you. That is awesome. Punch, I don't think you've done a card pull in a while. Do you want to do one? So every, so Fuck yeah, we do card pulls every week, Audrey. And it's odd how crazy spot on they are. <laughs> so we'll see what comes up for this week. But while Paige prepares everything over there, where can everyone find you? I am Audrey Kelly 47 on Instagram. That's my model page. My art page is Virgo.rising and rising is spelled with a Y. That's also on Instagram. And I do have a personal page, but I don't know if I'll, I'll share that with everybody yet. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so excited. And of course, as always, we'll post uh, all this information as well. Perfect. I am going to use today, you guys, this beautiful selenite ball that I have that was actually a gift from Audrey and one of her colleagues um, that was also one of my clients for a bit of time. And they gave it to me for Christmas, I think a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I'm going to use that as my stone today. And then I'm thinking because it's like a little witchy vibes with you, Audrey, in like the, all the best ways. I'm going to use my spell casting Oracle cards that Aloe got me for Christmas. So you guys, I'm only a little super excited about this card pull today because I've got my little, what I originally called my crystal ball, but it's really my selenite ball. And when Audrey first gave this to me, I was like, oh, I feel so witchy and like psychic and I'm going to tell the future. And I haven't ever used it when I do card pulls. I mostly like 
use it under my pillow for dreaming and stuff because that's what Audrey told me to do with it and it's great. But I just used it for this card pull for my Oracle cards and the card I pulled is super funky looking and it says psychic abilities. And I'm like, of course I'm using my crystal ball and I pulled the psychic abilities card. So yes. So it says magical guidance. You're experiencing a great shift in your personal energy and what you once found attractive no longer appeals to you as your sensitivity increases. I'm already blown away. Okay. Same. Everything that you're feeling is entirely natural for it's your wish and desire to evolve spiritually that has brought about these changes in you. As you connect with your angels and guides, practice meditation, say daily prayers, and live your truth. Your vibrational frequency raises to match that of which you now seek. The psychic phenomena you've experienced is real. It's time to trust in the subtle messages of the spirit as new spiritual doorways open to awaken your psychic abilities. I, so applicable. Now, I feel like a, that you could not have picked a better <laughs> <laughs> every week <laughs> I love that Audrey said it not aloe every week it's like aloe being like this is the perfect card <laughs> I know but that resonated I mean, I was, with me yes I was oh, especially because you said that in the beginning of the episode and you were like you know I, I I'm ready for more I'm shifting out of this space into a new space like I feel like I know Paige is doing a lot of that too. I am as well. Like, I just feel like this card was meant for all of us. <laughs> oh my okay. God. So these, this, this little booklet with the explanations has other stuff on here too. And so one of the things it says is Ooh. magical meanings. It says, trust your psychic gifts, join a circle to open up your spiritual communication. A clairvoyant confirms the answers you seek. Your intuition is correct, which we said earlier, and this is your path. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. There's also a spelling incantation, but I won't like put that on the listeners because not everybody listening here feels witchy. So like, I'll just post it when we (laughs) post the episode. And if anybody wants to do the little spelling incantation, it's in here as well. I'm like, yes, can you send that to me tonight? Because I'm going to get down. Yeah, I can read it to you guys. I just think we might not want to post it because it's like a little too witchy for some, you know. Yeah, so it no, says, of course. Um, stand with upstretched arms to the full moon at midnight on a Monday. Oh, my God. Is it going to be the full moon when we post this? It really might be because this is going to be coming out Monday the 29th. So let me look that up. Wait, while you- no, Monday the 29th is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is a that full the moon? full moon? I think it is. Let me I'm shut looking. the fuck up. We have Let's to post see. this now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's what it's technically the full moon since it goes in a three-day phase. It'll be the last of the third day. Oh my god. Yeah. Because the full moon will be full on Sunday, March 28th. This is freaky. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys, I'm going to read it for everybody because this is the night. Okay. So it says stand with upstretched arms to the full moon at midnight on a Monday and say, I call down the moon on this fine night with loving heart and open sight. Mystical moonlight stream through third eye visions to have mirrors to scry. Open my ears that I might hear whispers of spirit so loving and clear. My heart doth expand so that I may heal. Empathy flows, message to feel. Inviting my crown to open wide, clear cognizance stirs deep inside. 
spiritual connection upon midnight hour, I now fully claim my psychic power. Accept your enhanced psychic gifts by saying, gratefully, I accept the magic of you, of protection to assist in all that I do. Lend me the courage, build power in me, assist my transcendence, so mote it be. I can't even, I can't wait. I, um, I can't wait either. <laughs> I'm like, I have chills. It's like oh. all here, like on a Monday night of the full moon. Thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed this and you're fantastic. I guess that's all I have to say. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. This was actually really interesting. And I hope that, you know, Punch and I always say like, if we can just help one person or if one person takes something away from an episode, we have done our job. And I think that this turned into something way more than I anticipated. And I'm so, so grateful and so appreciate you. Thank you. I agree. Thank you both. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks ladies. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone for tuning in this week. And as per usual, Punch and I are going to ask If you liked this episode to share it, give us a little rate, give us a little review, subscribe, help a sister out. You know, we're about lifting each other up and we would really appreciate it. Yeah. And of course, we'll put all the links in the episode information paragraph, (laughs) not necessarily (laughs) in the bio, um, but you'll be able to find all the info on our website and in the episode info link. So definitely be sure to check out Audrey. She really is a phenomenal artist. She does commission-based work and, you know, she has a very distinct aesthetic, but she will do all kinds of things for commissions. So if you like her style in like any way, shape or form, and you're like, I'd love a piece, but I want it to be more like this. Like she'd be so elated and she's building her stuff. So I'd love to see us be able to help her support that venture that she's breaking into. And then of course, if you know anybody that's into the hemp CBD world and you want to support her in that way she's going to be doing some work with our brand Zodiac Essentials so if you're interested in finding out more about that I'd love to connect you with her as well I guess that's it (laughs) happy fucking full moon everyone yes enjoy your full moon do your little incantation up to the moonlight and we will be with you again next week thanks guys